Dose of Leadership podcast, episode 161. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. As always, I appreciate your support and the feedback. I'm glad you're tuning in. Hey, I'm launching something very soon. I'm very close to finishing my long-awaited Becoming a Leader course, and it's a membership site too. I've been working on this for about four months, and I'm finally about to wrap it up. I'm going to be releasing this in mid-August 2014. The course is entirely focused on how to increase your influence and become a relevant, purposeful leader in today's unique environment. I'm going to have access to over 30 leadership training videos and weekly live mastermind sessions. I'm also going to be having guests on a monthly basis. Uh, guests from this show are going to be joining us in those mastermind sessions. I'm going to cover in this course all there is to know about increasing your influence, your command presence, and learning how to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in every aspect of your life. However, I need your help. So all you listeners out there, before I finalize everything and open the site, I need to make sure I've covered everything, and that's where you come in. So please take a few minutes, go to doseofleadership.com and click on the Becoming a Leader menu item, and there you'll be guided to a survey where you can answer two questions, your top two questions about influence and becoming a leader that I absolutely need to cover in this course. So please give me your help, and if you're interested in this course, you can find out more info at going to doseofleadership.com and click on the Becoming a Leader menu item. Okay. Again, thanks so much for your support, and here's the interview. Well, I'm so excited to have on my show. I've been looking forward to this. Dr. Shafali Saberi, she's a clinical psychologist and author of the award-winning book, The Conscious Parent. She's got a new book out, Out of Control, Why Disciplining Your Child Doesn't Work and What Will, breaks ground with its revolutionary perspective on how to create positive changes in families. She blends Eastern mindfulness with Western psychology, integrating wisdom from both traditions. She has a private practice in New York City, and I'm so excited that she's here in Dose of Leadership. Dr. Shafali, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. Well, I got to tell you, I, I got to be honest, this show is called Dose of Leadership, but I today it's, it really should be titled Dose of Reality because, you know, when I read your and got familiar with your work and the conscious parent as a father of four daughters. There's a lot of stuff in there that I, it's completely changed my mindset on how to look at myself as a parent. It's, it ties in with leadership, but talk to me a little bit first, a little bit more about yourself, but what is a conscious parent? Let, let my listeners know what a, what it means to be a conscious parent. Sure. So by profession, I am a clinical psychologist. So as a therapist to many families and clients over the years, I began to observe that, you know, as parents especially, we really, most of us are well-intentioned and we do deeply adore our children, but yet, you know, for some reason or the other, there is dysfunction, our children are unhappy, unable to be authentic, and we as parents are unable to be the leaders of the family that we envisioned ourselves to be or, you know, want to be desperately. And I began to, you know, probe into this more. And then when I became a mother myself, began to understand that it wasn't about love, really, or well-intentioned beliefs. It was really about our inability to be authentic to our own growth and our own feelings and our own 
state of presence in the moment and consequently to be the same for our children. And it was this inability that was blocking the true con connectivity that could thrive and grow and blossom between parent and child. And because that connectivity wasn't blossoming, our children were feeling disenfranchised, we were feeling helpless, and there grows the abyss and the disconnect. So it all became about the parental evolution and the conscious parent, the book is about how we as parents need to turn the spotlight within and make this journey not about the child who has the problem and not about the child who needs to be fixed, but really about how we can evolve to become the best us that we can possibly be. And in that process, quite naturally, will we engender a deep connectivity with our children and help them to engender a deep connectivity within themselves. Yeah, because the reality is, and, and what and you see this, and we really examine, I think we know this at the gut level, that it really does extend back generation to generation to generation. And really what we're looking at when we're looking at our kids is a reflection of ourselves, is it not? I mean, we try to impose. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it becomes so critical that these kids, and the way you put it, they're really, the sacred obligation that we have with these kids is they are kind of gifts to us to really transform ourselves, which I've never looked at it that way, but it is so true, isn't it? Yeah, and it's really hard to, to make that shift because in the moment when you're in a heated moment with your child, you know, time is running out or they're not listening to you or they're threatening to go against your belief systems in some way, your gender is being called to question, it's really hard for mm -hmm. us to understand that that is the moment that we are being called to grow. It's so easy to just displace the blame onto them, to project our story onto them, and then to react to heavily enter emotional reactivity because we feel so helpless and out of control. But those are the moments in particular, those heightened moments where it's about us stepping back, entering ourselves and understanding, ah, this is about me building my spiritual muscle right now, my emotional regulation muscle right now to enter mindfulness, to enter stillness, to enter love, to enter connectivity, to enter trust, and to really enter a deep place of how do I connect with my child right now? How do I understand that I'm bringing my, my deep agenda, my deep energetic patterns into the moment that have nothing to do with my child? And how do I now connect with my child and get whatever I need to get done, right? So it's a lot to ask for in that moment. And it's so much easier. The lazy way is to yell and threaten and bribe and punish. But we never get to do the work then. Yeah. Well, I can even, I can hear the naysayers now saying, well, oh, come on, they're kids. I mean, they have to understand what authority means. They have to understand respect. They have to understand discipline. What do you say to that? They do need to understand that, but they can only understand that within the context of a deeply respectful relationship. Right. Within the context of a relationship that, yes, is taking uh, stock of the parental authority, but also taking stock of the child's natural inclination to be in their own authority. You know, we can't do one without the other. We can't teach our children about respect while completely ramshodding over their being state and That's their right. natural leadership, right? We want to create the leaders of tomorrow, but then we need to deeply honor their leadership. So it's this, it's this dance between being in authority but totally respecting our children's authority and right to their own feelings and working with that rather than working against that yeah. or working to subdue that. 
Yeah, I you know, and I can see what my kids range. My oldest is seventeen. I got a seventeen, fifteen, eleven, and nine. And I can tell you, I can see so many instances in the past, uh, especially dealing with, and it wasn't until I started understanding that this whole process of leadership in life, it really is a um, life philosophy or a lifelong process of of transforming myself and the kid. I guess in my mind, when I had kids, I thought, okay. I got it all figured out. I, you know, I need to mold them into these proper citizens and be better than I was. And really what I'm doing is, is kind of trying to mold them in my image. And that's not necessarily the best thing, is it? Yeah. And it's really, it's again, you know, it is, I deeply empathize with all of our parents because it's really hard to separate what is our story with what is their story and what is the story we want to lead them towards, you know, and is, is that vision that we hold for them truly who it is they are, or is it coming from our baggage? Yeah. It's hard to make that differentiation. I think that's when it gets muddied, and that's why parenthood then becomes the greatest call to our own awakening, to clear up that mess, to understand that we need to clean up our story from our children's story, our baggage from our children's baggage, and not burden them to complete us. Well, it seems so overwhelming now, especially when I look at my 17-year-old. And I think we've done an okay job, but gosh, it's so true. I can see how my baggage, my wife's baggage, has affected who she is right now as a 17-year-old. Am I too late? I mean, because I mean, she's on the verge of leaving the house, of leaving the nest. Am I too late? Have I done too much damage to her already? Has, has, can I stop that cycle even now? Of course, the way to stop the damage right now is to see that whatever you're seeing in your child is a product of you and to take ownership of that. And right. just by doing that, you stop projecting more onto her or stop resisting who she is and getting upset perhaps with who she's become. But by truly seeing that you are a piece of her, you have given her that and out of your own unconscious perhaps. And it's a new moment now. It's a new moment now where you can stop doing that and treat her as the person she is while fully understanding that now she is fully a product of you as well. Right. You know, it is, I know many parents feel like sometimes it's too late and we get resigned and lose hope, but then, then you know, then we got to just give up on life because it, it could always be too late. So we need to adopt a different attitude instead and just go, well, this is a new moment. This is a bare moment. This is a spontaneous moment. And I can start again from this moment onwards. Well, I think for, I know for me, I can t- I can see the difference too. And you know, eight years ago, coming from a um, an almost broken marriage in in my household, and really reexamining myself, you know, having a splat moment myself as a husband, almost getting divorced with my wife, we decided to 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 work it and stick it out, and kind of going through this process of of integrating. I called it leadership, but a lot of what you're talking about here is is being aware of yourself more than anything. And really that's what it, what I would categorize my journey as, as getting more in touch with myself. I see the, the stark difference of understanding that it's, uh, it's not about white picket fences. It's about getting comfortable with the pain in your life and understanding that transformation really can't happen without pain, right? And that pain is inevitable. I think for so long in my life, I tried to run away from it. I mean, I don't want to run to it, if that makes sense. But I, I just understand now that it's something that's inevitably going to happen. There's going to be bad things that are going to happen in the future, and I feel more prepared for that. Is is that what I just described to you? Is that kind of the mindset that, that ties with being a conscious parent? I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, 
Absolutely. I think first you, you, you alluded to several really profound concepts. One is that it's a process, right? There is not, it's not a right. big superficial band-aid, quick fix, getting to some glamorous destination. It's a constant process. It's a moment to moment working through. It doesn't look pretty. It's really messy. It's feelings all over the place. It's unexamined feelings all over the place. It's her baggage, your baggage, their baggage, grandma's baggage, culture's baggage. And you're just trying to do the best you can. And as long as you're awake to that awareness, you're already so much further ahead in the process. The second thing you talked about, which is absolutely the core to conscious parenting, which is pain being inevitable. And I, I, I just did a, I did a talk earlier on this year at the Wisdom Conference entitled Pain as the Most Powerful Portal to Consciousness. It is the only way to consciousness, according to me. It is through those moments of conflict. It is through those moments of duress and stress or when we hit rock bottom in some way that we have the opportunity to break open and really, you know, work through the fear that has been stopping us all along. It is really the fear of pain rather than the pain itself that stops us in life. But if we teach our children and ourselves and, say, in a corporation, we teach our employees that, Pain is inevitable. Conflict is inevitable. You know, I'm, I'm going to hit a, 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 an ugly spot once in a while. I'm going to hit a blind spot. Life is going to throw a curve at me. And we need to just accept that more often than not, it is part of life. Then we will open our hearts and not be so defended. And we will teach our children to accept, right? We won't teach our children that if they've been snubbed at a play date, we won't teach them that we need to get reactive or that we need to fix it by calling up the parents we teach them yeah and you got snubbed at a play date this is life accept it integrate it honor your feelings validate your feelings but now we got to move on you know people are unconscious we are unconscious not expect anything less from people or life you know so it keeps it yeah it makes us more open to it and more uh, willing to be vulnerable to it Oh, I just so much of that resonates with what you just said. I mean, even with and would you say the same thing about fear and uncertainty? I mean, to me, I wrap up pain, fear, and uncertainty all in kind of the umbrella. Do you do you treat any of those fear and uncertainty differently than pain? To me, it all kind of seems in that kind of same. All of vein. it, yeah. all of it. That all that discomfort, which comes with opening the heart when moments are intolerable, either life being intolerable or our expectations are not being met, or you know, our agenda or our fantasy didn't come true and we're bumping against the reality of what is, that is all, yes, under the same umbrella, you know, that intolerable feeling that comes up when life doesn't work out the way we want it, right. you know, and how to surrender to that, how to let go of the agenda and accept the beauty of the imperfection in front of us. And so it is with our children, so it is with accepting that their life is going to be imperfect accepting that they are imperfect and that we are imperfect raising them and not kind of uh, condoning it, but rising to the challenge of truly honoring our imperfections and then working on them, not just being blasé about it and saying, you know, well, too bad, you know, too bad I, I have an anger problem. No, I have an anger problem. I see it. I'm owning it. I will stop projecting it onto other people or pretending like it doesn't exist. And now I'm going to work on it. Right. Can we effectively, especially uh, when you, you know, and some of us got bigger bags than others when it comes to the baggage that we've been handed in life and what we've dealt with. 
okay, so I, I recognize this. I aware, I'm aware of this. I'm owning all of these imperfections that I have about myself. I've, I'm in the middle. I've got four kids. How can, I guess the skeptic is going to say, and even the skeptical side of me says, how can I still be a parent and yet still fix myself? But I guess when I'm kind of answering it now, I have no other choice but to fix myself if I'm going to change the paradigm of my parenting, right? I mean... Correct, unless you want to keep uh, reenacting the same pattern. Exactly. Right? That's always right. a great choice, to stay blind, to stay in denial and unconscious. But I don't think it's an ex- it's, uh, that these are mutually exclusive right. processes. These can only happen in the context of intimate relationships. So as much as I was prepared, you know, I meditated for years before I became a mother. I, thought I was getting my PhD in psychology. I'd done two masters already in psychology. I thought, you know, I'm ready for this. What came up as a mother in that relationship was unforeseeable to me. The parts of me that came out those the sh- from the shadow, I had no idea were even there. Right. So first I, first I had to get over the shock that I was so human and so fallible and get off my narcissistic grandeur that <laughs> I was right. still so full of wounds and then realize that, oh, it can only happen in this moment, in this relationship, by this child. Only she uh, can trigger yeah. it, this in me, or he can trigger this in me. So understanding that, you know, this is an ongoing journey, and and they, they happen in tandem. We just have to be in the moment, ready to understand that the depths of our pain and our unresolved issues are, are bottomless, and get over the grandeur that we are complete in any way, and that this is constantly a work in process towards entering wholeness. And we're always entering wholeness and then losing it and entering it and losing right. it. And this is life. Yes. Life is nothing else yes. but, but it, you know. So um, I think this is the richness of relationships, especially intimate ones, especially the parenthood one, which offers the most rich ground and fer- fertility for for growth because we don't really divorce our children really quickly. You know, we can't just run away. Right. We have to stay. And it's the sustainability that makes us go deeper. If if we're willing to take If take we're willing to do it, on. you're right. You know, and it's, it's so true. I mean, oh, you said so many great things there. The sacredness of that relationship, you're absolutely right. It probably is the most sacred and intimate relationship we will ever have. I mean, because yeah. of the fact we cannot, we have such a, a universal obligation to that relationship. I mean, it's, yes, it really is. We, can, we yeah. can blame every other relationship. We can blame our parents, blame our spouses, leave them, live far away from them. But for the first 18 years of our children's lives, or at least the first 10 or 12 before we ship them off to boarding school, we got to be there and we got to grow up. And we, They make us grow up in practical ways. You know, we have to pay bills, we have to send them to school, we have to pay the fees, we have to pick them up on time. So it's very practical doing aspects. We have to mature, man up, and organize ourselves. And then on this whole emotional level, right, we're raising another being who's going through all these emotions, and we realize that we're ill-equipped to handle them because we have worse emotions than them, right, more reactivity than them. Mm-hmm. But we have to rein it in. We have to tolerate them. We have to cope with them. We have to see them through their darkness into light. I mean, it's all in one package, you know, right here. For 10 years, we got to do the work. Well, and I, I love the fact that you said, too, that it, without having the children, um, ha- or having the children has brought forth some uh, mess that probably never would have been brought to the f- surface if you had had the kids, right? Did I hear that correctly? I mean- Absolutely, because everyone else, you know, in our lives 
for the most part, are adults. So, and not that doesn't mean they're mature, they're just adults in age. So at least by that, there's some sort of, you know, separation that exists because these adults can take care of themselves and the adults don't belong to me and they didn't come from me. But now as a parent, you know, here you have these beings who are dependent on you in, ma- in many aspects, but they are also their own beings. So you have to dance the dance between the doing and taking care of their dependency needs, but then also being with them and connecting with them in terms of their emotional needs, which you don't necessarily have to do with other adults in, in your life. Right. What do you say to the, okay, the, and help me di- differentiate this because I, having, um, my second oldest daughter, um, she's, or she's 15. We found out that she has a mild case of Tourette's early on. Um, so about kindergarten, right? And so she's highly intelligent. She's just got this tremendous brain power, right? And so much, and she's so an artistic and like she's, when she was five, I remember she was, she, she started taking piano lessons, been in it maybe three weeks. She heard, um, a song, a cartoon or something. She went and she replicated it immediately just from listening to it. She had this tremendous horsepower, but we started noticing these ticks when she was little and she would go into these rages and all these other things. Now it's, we've worked through all that and it's great and she's in a, in a great place. Um, but I remember, and even up to this day, you know, even recently as two years ago, thinking back, um, especially with my wife thinking, gosh, what have I done wrong? What have I done wrong? And everybody's saying, it's not you. It's just how they're wired, just how they're wired. Some of what we're talking about when we're feeling here might kind of go in the face of that. What do you feel about kind of that kind of um, conflict that I'm kind of sensing in my own self or between the two kind of philosophies, I guess? So you're feeling that you you can't separate or find that line between what's my responsibility mirror, yeah. for, for what you've done and what's uh, what's biological, right? And who she is, or what she may have organically. Exactly, yeah. Or te- temperamentally. Yes. You know, I, and I think the answer is somewhere in between. I, I don't think one can enter guilt or blame, self-deprecation and, and degradation, because then you're mirroring a state of lack. Yeah. You're mirroring a state of, of, of inability to trust the process of what is and what's unfolding, and that it's always an unfolding. And so you're entering this place of fear and resistance to, yes, yeah, so say you, you totally didn't get the clues, and say you totally missed the boat, but that's not in the now. And you're, you're resisting the now. The now is always a product of, of everything that was, but it's also a new moment. Right. So it's that, that product of both, um, but you have to now enter the now of, okay, this all may have happened, but now here. So we don't even know what the interaction was between your unconsciousness, her unconsciousness, and vice versa, your consciousness and her consciousness. So you're now here. So what can you do now to see her as she is and help her with who she is as the product of you and her, and how can you help her move forward? And that you just have to enter the now and go, okay, so you know this is who she is now. How can I harness her horsepower, as you said, and and how can I help her cope with her, her, her maybe her organic temperament or the temperament that I projected onto her? How can I help her with that now? So you just have to enter this moment. Yeah, I you know, like because that. we can't piece apart what what was yours, what was hers. It's too hard to piece apart. You know, no, I maybe love that. her inherent tendency to rage triggered you for sure. It triggered you, and you created reactivity that may have amped up her reactivity but now you can look at that and go okay can i now 
teach her to cope with her reactivity? Can I teach her to, you know, ice it instead of heat it more? And can I can I learn coping skills myself in this moment? Right. Uh, it sounds so common sense when you and it is common sense when you said it. I think you're right. We go we we tend to go back and replay what has already happened and try to piece it together for some. I don't know, sense of validation or sanity or or justification or rationalization. I don't know. All of those are above, but you're exactly right. I mean, it's 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 what are we doing of being completely intentional and present right now, and what can we do? Because, yeah. like you said, every new every new and, and and make the shift and make the shift from fear based thinking to abundance based thinking yeah. and non resistance to whatever it is now. So suppose she has a big rage, or child has a big tantrum, a big rage. So instead of trying to react to it and control it, enter it, uh, enter that moment and kind of cool it down, you know, meet the emotion, meets the, the reactivity as is and kind of be present to it and, and tone it down either by leaving the scene, detaching from the emotion or calming the kid down by soothing words, but staying there rather than you know, blaming the self or entering a guilt trip or right. controlling the emo- their emotion by yelling at them or, you know, a myriad of ways of escaping what is. I love that. I wrote that down, abundance thinking. You're absolutely right. It's such so in line with what we talk about a lot on this show. Um, and it really it is. Just, it's a mindset shift. And that's what's so powerful about what, what we have in front of us. But we do have the ability. We're one decision away. This is what's so beautiful. We're one decision away from completely transforming our lives. And that's what's so exciting. We really are. Yeah. We really are. I love that. But we have to we have to we have to face this moment with with mindfulness, connection, deep feeling, and deep love yeah. for whatever's coming up. Oh, I love that. What well, so it, a lot of what you were talking about, I haven't had a chance to read your new book Out of Control. Talk talk to me a little bit about it, the genesis behind it and what you're trying to uh, get across in that book. Sure. So the first book The Conscious Parent is all about the philosophical underpinnings of what it means to become conscious and why it is that we're unconscious with our children. And it's all about connection, all about creating deep connectivity within ourselves and then with our relationships. And when I wrote that book, I gave the topic of discipline very little mind because I was creating the foundational aspects of the relationship. So discipline was all the way towards the end of the book. and Many people wanted more. And the reason why people want more on discipline is because they want more control. And the reason they want more control is because they're out of control. And why they're out <laughs> right. of control is because they're helpless to their own reactivity and a slave to their own agendas and thirsty for power. So I wrote this next book called Out of Control because we're all operating out of a deep desire to have great control over our lives. And this desire, in fact, makes us out of control. And we lose it, we are deeply reactive, and then we miss the opportunity to connect with our children. So the second book is really about how this whole cultural paradigm of discipline your children is actually taking us down a very dangerous territory because it's giving us techniques to control our children, techniques to threaten, bribe, manage their behaviors, give them time out, when it's really all about emotional regulation on our part. It's all about how we have to rein it in, how we need to become self-disciplined, how we need to become more coherent. We need to enter connectivity because we lose connection with our children when our children act out because we enter fear and we enter power and we want control. And because we want control, we're like, I'll take away your iPad. I'll take away your TV. I'll ground you. 
when it has nothing to do with what's really happening in the moment. And what's really happening in the moment is just two things. Either children need better skills to be emotionally regulated or children are looking for a deeper connection with us. And we don't know how to give them either and we slip into this power-based action, thinking, you know, this kind of hierarchical dominance with our children which actually furthers the problem, perpetuates the problem even more. Yeah, I think, you know, like you even said in your first book, I, I remember a passage there in that last chapter where, you know, if if we become um, fearful, if they become fearful of us, they actually shut down. And uh, they have a nat, and I believe this, I believe people have a natural desire to be a good person, especially when you look at kids, when they don't have all the kind of muckiness of life to look in front of, they naturally want to be good, right? I think that, I tend to believe that. And when we become fearful, man, we just shut them down, don't we? Exactly, only because we are fearful. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. You're exactly right. uh, You know, we are losing power. We are fearful that they are undermining us. But really, we can only be undermined if there is something to be undermined, right? If we are sitting in our abundance and in in our deep inherent connection with our own higher selves, how can anyone take us off that? But because we are unsettled from within... And our children scare us, you know, they, they threaten us, they make us lose our, lose our center. We then seek to, um, you know, seek retribution and then we pay them back for that. Yeah. It's, it's really horrible what we do in the name of discipline. It really is. And it really, yeah, you know, it really is a reflection of what we're feeling inside. And, that, and, and fear, anxiety, and guilt are such overriding emotions that come with all of that baggage. Even if we have, like, quasi-normal childhoods, I think. I mean, even we can still carry baggage of guilt even if we didn't have the quote-unquote stereotypical dysfunctional um, childhood. I mean, it seems seemingly normal, but the more that you look at it, there's some deep-rooted pain and guilt that can surface even in the most innocuous transactions between the parents. Yeah, just by being a human in this life, you don't have to go through a lot of trauma, but you're still going to be living and battling fear, resistance, pain, shame. It, that just goes with the territory of being human. <laughs> right. Uh, and then and then you add trauma on top of that, and then you add dysfunction on top of that. Then you add parents who were neglectful and couldn't feel and couldn't teach you to connect. And we get what the state of the world today as it is. And so we need to break that. We all as parents need to shift the paradigms, enter a deeper and higher state of consciousness for our children, for the next generation. And we can all do that by taking small steps today Enter mindfulness, connection, love, uh, abundance, presence. We can make shifts from today. None of us need to reach perfection. We just need to start right, doing just the making work. This, that's right. Start doing the work because I think that if, if if we try to hold ourselves to be the, it's just perfection is not even reality, you know. And and being present in exactly. the moment and smothering it with 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 love and what it really means to be. And that to me, um, being present embracing the or I love in your book too we didn't really talk about it much there but the ordinariness of the kids and of our lives mm-hmm. um there's so many magic moments even just in the in the most simplest of things and uh that's what I love about your work I love your awareness I love your intentionality um I just love what you do and um how can people get in touch with you um where where can people find you well I have a facebook page under my name and a website dr shifali that's spelled s for sam h for harry E-F-A-L-I dot com. And the book is The Conscious Parent. So it's, it's doing really well on Amazon right now. If they just click, if they just put parenting in Google, the Conscious Parent, parent book will come up. 
Um, and they can find me through my website and email me. I do coaching, Skype sessions. Of course, I have a private practice. Um, but people can always connect on Facebook, ask questions, and hopefully I can try and uh, answer some of them at least. Well, I got to tell you, and being a parent of four, and I know this show is about leadership, but I always, it's always fun when uh, I always ask this question in my, um, presentations and workshops. Um, how many people consider themselves a leader? And, you know, maybe about 25% of the audience will raise their hands. And because we still have that mindset that being a leader is all about being the position, the title. And then I ask how many people are parents and, or, or aunts, uncles. And of course, everybody is. And, um, that is the ultimate leadership obligation to be a parent. And I love what you're doing and, and the, the insights and the way to look at it is probably the most, it is, I got to tell you, if you read the book, um, and you're a parent, uh, it's going to make you a little uncomfortable because it's just, it hits you that hard, but uh, I love what you do. And I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.